Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now... So welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist podcast show, and uh, thank you for turning back in, or if you're listening to us for the first time, the goal out of this podcast is to bring the best and the brightest from our community of entrepreneurs, investors, and key influencers that will help entrepreneurs be all they can be and be as successful as they need to be in order to have phenomenal financial success with their business, as well as to uh, investors on understanding how businesses need to grow so that they can make money when they invest in those businesses. And one of the really important elements of a successful entrepreneur is knowing how to pitch. That's not only pitching for uh, for money, but when you're pitching for customers and when you get to be a highly successful organization and you're pitching for shareholders and stakeholders and your employees, when you're getting them to buy into your corporate community, all of that takes effective communication and knowing how to deliver the pitch that is right for that audience. And I have the killer pitch master herself. Precious L. Williams on my show today. We say hello and wave a little bit. Hey, hey, everybody. For those that are watching, see the wave there. Uh, and I want to introduce her to you so that you understand why I am as excited and how you're going to learn so much today. So Precious L. Williams, also affectionately known as the Killer Pitch Master, is a world-class master communicator who works with successful entrepreneurs and speakers and helps them take their professional pitching and speaking skills to the next level. Williams is a graduate of Spelman College and Rutgers School of Law with over 26 years of experience in creating unique speaking and public speaking techniques. As a 13-time National Business Elevator Pitch Champion, we're going to learn a little bit about that here in a few minutes, Williams has been on top television shows and publications for her pitching, branding, and professional speaking skills. She was featured on season eight of ABC's Shark Tank, Forbes Magazine, CNN, ABC, MSNBC, Wall Street Journal, and the movie Leap, as well as several others around the world. Williams is also known for her innovative training programs and services to her clients and sales teams at Fortune 500 companies. These companies include Google, Microsoft, LinkedIn, NBC Universal, and in 2019 and 2020, Precious became the two times best-selling author of the number one business book series, Bad Bitches with Power Pitches, there she's showing it, for women entrepreneurs and speakers only, and has just released her third book, Pitching for Profits, the Bad Bitches Playbook to Convert Conversation into Currency. And I, I, think, I think I read, it's already number one. She's going to tell us about that here. Too. Just fired. <laughs> Welcome, the one and only full-figured Black beautiful diva who has taken the business world by storm, Precious L. Williams. Hey, hey, hey. I'm so glad to be here, Queen. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I am glad, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that our world's uh, over, our, our journeys, our paths 
crossed over each other and we know each other now and we're going to have this great conversation. Definitely. So, all right. So uh, we're so we we tell us a little bit. OK, first thing I got to ask about, you know, your background. Right. Connect the dots. But the first thing, 13 elevator pitch wins. What what is that? What I didn't even know there were elevator pitch contests like that all over to win 13 of. So there are so many around the nation, even around the world. So remember, I started pitching, you know, 10 years ago. So I, I was winning competitions from 2011 to 2013. Imagine how uh, elevator pitch competitions have grown since then. And so when I started, I literally had no money to start my business. I didn't have family and friends who can contribute or they didn't believe in my first company, which was Curvy Girls Lingerie. And they were just like, you don't have a business, you don't have a business degree. You didn't go to business school. Uh, you, you trained to become an attorney and you were great at that. Just stay with that. But there was something in me that said, I wanted to start this company. It was called Curvy Girls Lingerie, you know, the ultimate shopping experience for full-figured divas and plus-size fashion. <laughs> and when no one around me believed in that, uh, you know, I went to the New York Public Library. It's called Civil Science, Industry, Business, and Law at 34th and Madison. And I met a woman who said she won $50,000 in prize money for her business. So I listened to her pitch and I was like, <laughs> yeah, no crickets. <laughs> you know, not knowing that soon my opportunity would take place. I went to a small business awards ceremony and the media sponsors were there. And it was so weird. I, you know, I, I heard God say, you're going to you're going to do this through media. That makes no sense when you're 327 pounds. I promise you, it makes no sense 10, 12 years ago. And so I walked up to the producers of uh, the show, Your Business with J.J. Rambert. I didn't know that they were the producers of that particular show, but I walked up to them and I pitched because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't want to waste the, the opportunity. And when I did, they were so blown away by how I pitched that they invited me to be on the show. And then when I was on the show, with J, it was called Your Business with J.J. Ramberg, in 54 seconds, I walked away with a major investment. Mind you, people told me it would never work. But it's funny how when you change your language, you change the game. And when you bring your passion, your energy and intensity, and remember, I did the research. It wasn't like I just, you know, stumbled in, yo, I'm gonna say some good stuff and get. No, I had to prove that I actually knew the ins and outs of my business. If I'm really gonna go forward with this, I had to prove that we, you know, we could make money. How are we gonna make money? What, what laundry shirt stores did I go into? Why is this a sizable market? You know, is this just a few big girls? 327 pound women, when I said it was 40 million women, size 14 or larger in the United States, just like me, and we all want pretty underwear. They're like, whoa, that's a big market. So why is nobody <laughs> creating products for women that size? If it's a big market, why, why, why are they, why don't they, why is nobody talking about it? And that's because I was supposed to bring it to the fore. And now when I look back, that's the part of being a visionary and a trailblazer. You're going to see things no one else is going to see. Mm -hmm. And I want to take my rightful place in history because now it's not a big deal. You see companies today, like they were making it for, you know, uh, smaller women. Now they're expanding their line and calling it more inclusive. That word did not exist for real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But because the word didn't exist, didn't mean that I didn't have value. Someone just has to bring it forth. And that's why I say, you know, listen, I was the quarterback to carry it across the line and now everybody else can do it. And yeah. so that, that's actually the power of pitching too. So you can bring, you can show people worlds they didn't even know existed. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't, I, we have, you know, a lot that we want to cover in this, but I just have to know um, because I mean, the, 
that is one of those areas. I know in Atlanta, we they had started doing a pitch competition at, at the Fox for years ago, and then they mm-hmm. it kind of uh, tapered off. But um, it was, you know, ele- people don't teach elevator pitches. It's one of those things when I was when I had my coaching program and I used to do a, uh, a workshop that was about elevator pitches and we would have a fast pitch competition at the end and stuff like that. And it's, it's really, it's, it's, it, people don't understand that it's an appetizer to start a conversation with people, right? They think it's like a timeline. It's just how come it, can you squeeze into this timeline versus how do you get people to engage and want to get more information? So you got a golden nugget for the listeners out there? To, well, I, I, love, I actually love the way you said that. You called it an appetizer. I call it a juicy morsel. There you it's go. Something that you do to entice to yeah. get to that level the next meeting to you know closing the deal when you think about pitching you're thinking about a way to attract bait and close when you you think about going to your grandma's house or whoever cooks really well in your family it's the holidays you know they're going to go in you go over their house you know you're going to get some good vittles you're going to get some good eats you put everything on your plate that's your business your whole business is that plate when you take that first bite, think of that fork or that spoon or whatever you got, that's that juicy morsel to entice you to eat everything else on that plate. So that's what you think of a pitch. 30 seconds, one minute, 90 seconds, two minutes or longer. Think of it. What are the most important things you want them to know? Not everything. Yeah. Remember, it's important to know who you're pitching to and why. So that's why you have to know and study your audience, right? Right. And remember, there's always someone listening. I, I have sold my books in Whole Foods, not even meaning to, just because I was running my mouth with the cashier. But when you think of a pitch, everybody knows, you go to Google, who you are, what you do, who you serve, you know, what's your secret sauce? I mean, we all know that. And you definitely want to have a call to action. What do you direct, what do you directly want them to do and make it easy so they know what to do, right? But when you start taking it into the next level of pitching, and I think this is what you're getting, you're getting it. People, people, when they go to networking events, they'll say my name, this is what I do. To, and it sounds <laughs> boring. You wonder why it sounds boring? Because don't nobody care about your name and they don't care about the name of your company. What they care about is have you addressed their challenge or pain points? Like, right. can you adequately address it? I'm not asking for you to give a solution initially. What I'm asking for you is to educate and to illustrate that you understand what I truly struggle with, what keeps me up at night. Then can you offer a solution, right? A lot of us go into pitching like we do this, we're the technicians, we can get it all together. But if a person doesn't even recognize that they have a problem, that means you haven't you haven't connected the dots. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when it comes to pitching, right? I just thought everybody would love pitching. And then I realized the reason why most people don't know how much they can do with pitching because they think it's just for investors or just to get into the media or just to say a networking event. If you're not a business, you don't need it. Well, if you're a speaker, you need it because you want to become book busy and paid. (laughs) And if you are going for an interview for the job of your dreams, you need to have many pitches seated throughout that entire interview. So they know, they know you can do the job, but can you fit the culture? What are you going to say? What are the clues that you're going to give off? So pitching is an everyday thing that you do. And when you add strategy, precision, and cunning, knowing and studying your audience and adding other flavors to it, you smoke the competition. And that's why they call me the killer pitch. (laughs) What slay all competition? It's a done deal when you hit that stage. It's a done deal when you're at a networking event. It's a done deal when you're anywhere you are in the world. 
It's a done deal. You know what they're looking for. You know what they need and you have the right solution to handle it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right there. So, okay, is there you is there a difference between how you would speak to or uh, present to whether it's the uh, investors or your customers or your stake? Is there a difference in your style and how you would do that? Um, I yes, I definitely I definitely believe that different audiences require different things. So what I would say to the media is going to be very different from what I say to investors. You think about investors, there, there's that financial thing. So you want to make sure that you have facts, figures, and statistics enveloped in your story or what it is that you're trying to get to them. You want to make sure that they understand it's a sizable, it's a sizable problem that you're solving. There are enough people to buy, whether it's companies, corporations, individuals, there's enough people to buy, but you also want to make sure that you're the right jockey for that horse. Right. You want to make sure with media, what do you, what, what does media usually focus on? Something that's a little different, something that stands out. Right. And so yeah, a lot of a, a draw or something like that, yeah, something that's going to be, so what's your engaging hook. Right. And so why do you think when you, when you read my bio, they said, have you ever met a full figure diva who has taken the business world by storm and won big, you're like, who is this chick? Yeah, right. <laughs> They've never even heard those words strung together like that, right? They have never heard it. So they're like, oh, the question alone is like, that's intriguing. And then they see that, you know, when they finally read the rest of it, they're like, oh my God. And she's black on both sides. And she's like going in like this. <laughs> to the investor, <clears throat> what I look like may not be the biggest deal. It may be, listen, return on investment. How fast can we do this? So that's a totally different thing. Media is always looking for what's new, what's hot, what's fresh, and what trending topics go along with that. Can you speak to that timely and relevant, like right now, right? <clears throat> when you're going to the interviews, when you think about you know interviewing for your the perfect job or the job you think is going to be perfect, what can you add in about your background that shows them that not only do you fit the culture and the community and that you can do the job, but there's something else about you that they don't have, that they absolutely need, right? Right. You're a speaker. A lot of speakers speak on, you know, motivation, inspiration, transformation or whatever. <clears throat> and I will let Les Brown, Tony Robbins, all of them, you take that. Mm -hmm. But as a killer pitch master, I'm here to help you create your own lean as a speaker so that when they're doing a, a, a Google search, you pop up because you are so known for what you do. You're not competing with Les Brown and Tony Robbins in them. I'm the killer pitch master. When they look for elevator pitches, I pop up. And I've been oh, probably talking like, ooh, and she's, and, she's a, and she's a chubby girl, wonder the female MacGyver business. <laughs> you see how all of those are different. So different audiences require different things. And if you heard what, if you heard part of my pitch that I did for Shark Tank, it's totally different from what I do for networking events. Because I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a different crowd and a different reaction to what it is that I say. Yeah. So one of the things that I hear from entrepreneurs and it's uh, and I've done on my Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Breaks, I've hit, done some videos addressing this and also within like elevator pitches. It's always amazing to me. Um, entrepreneurs will say something like, well, you know, it's some complaint about the um, pitching investor process or getting uh, the attention or the meetings with investors, or even when I used to run the angel investor events um, for the, for a network of business angels and investors, my angel group, um, they, you know, people might come up and I would try really hard to get them to take the coaching ahead of time so they could deliver a good pitch. And then I remember one time 
<laughs> this guy, he ref he just like, oh, I totally know how to do all this. I can do all of I can, I'm a great pitcher, pitch person. Right. And he had a big, big Fortune 500 customer that was his customer. So he stepped away from his presentation and started talking on the side and just like taking a and telling a story almost and not covering any of his charts or the word, you know, whatever. And he ran out of time. And then at the end, he didn't get the kind of feedback and stuff like that. So what was his thing? And other entrepreneurs will do this. They blame the event instead of, you know, the, oh, well, there just weren't any inv investors there. Right. And I, it's like, no, if you were, I would say if you were a, uh, a you had a software product for hospitals at, to be an administration and you had an audience of 50 hospital administrators and you were talking about a product that was totally going to solve a problem, put more money to the bottom line, all that kind of stuff. And nobody was interested at the end. You wouldn't say, oh, there was no hospital administrators there. You would go, what did I do wrong and reassess, right? So when people, how do you suggest people, you know, besides just being in the game and not getting results, is there a way for people when they're preparing an elevator pitch or they're preparing a pitch to figure out if they got, if they're on target on message before they blow their shot? Is there a way yes. to sort of address yes. that? Most definitely. First of all, when I started pitching back in the day, I would go into coffee shops. Now I realize we're in a COVID whatever, but I used to go into coffee shops. Like, so I, you know, write my pitches out. I would go into the bathroom and the first 10 to 20 times I did it, I would just read off the paper because I, I needed to enroll it in me. I had to get it in. And then I would start to read and see what words set it on fire. Right. So that's how I started to learn. Like the more, it was like repetition. I had to get it, be able to say it and say it and say it. And then now it's time to kick it off now. It can't just sound monotone. I have to do some inflections. I have to change my cadence and stuff like that, right? Because yeah. no one can sit and listen to the same type sound. And then I decided I need to hear, I need disinterested parties to hear me. Not family, not friends. They're going to love everything you do because what else are they going to do? <laughs> exactly. But go to disinterested people or go to trusted business people and say, can I, can I, can I give you my pitch? Because I really want, I really want for real feedback. I really want you to kick my butt. I want you to ask me the type of questions that come to mind. And so I'm going to these coffee shops, all, especially 14th Street Union Square. I was all over from Auburn Park, all over. And I would pitch, never once this why they buy me coffee. No, they just enjoyed it. And they would give me real, real-time feedback. And I was like, ooh, I didn't think about that. Let me dial it back. Let me, let me, let me go back. And that would make me better. So I would always say, you know, one of my English teachers in high school always used to say, practice perfectly, perform perfectly. But before you even get there, you still have to practice. Sure. So, you know, if you can do it in your in front of a mirror, it could be a mirror in your living room, just 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 read it, envelop it, embrace it, then start to change up your cadence. What are the things that you want them to focus on in your pitch? And you just said something that was so critical. If you know you got a time limit, honor that time. <laughs> 30 seconds, you better stop at 24 seconds. Like you need to give it, because you know what happens when you, when, when we get welled up, we just, oh, 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 that 30 seconds, you're still talking, it, it went at 45. And it's like, you're done. No one's paying attention anymore. And they shouldn't be, right? I don't care how great your pitch is. Honor the time that you're given 
and you may be given more time. Right. And so that's why I say, even in the end, you still have to make the big ass. When you go over time, that's you. That is not them. And you have to make time for other people who may be there pitching too. So honor the people's time in the room and make it your business to practice your pitch. Keep a time limit on it. Make sure people keep you on time. Because do you know how many pitch competitions? I've, I've been in 14, like 14. And I won 13 times. Beating Harvard, Yale, Stanford, Columbia grads. Beating cool tech companies. And I had a lingerie company where people still like, I don't know how you did it. I do. I do. So when you think about it like that, honor the time, practice, practice, practice. Learn to set your pitch on fire. Start off with a bang and in with fireworks. Give it, yeah. give it to them. Yeah. Woo. All right. So let's talk about your books, right? <laughs> so then you got three. They, they build upon each other. Yeah. So they build, yeah, one of them is a workbook or does that come along with yeah, the book? The book. So my first book is called Bad Bitches and Power Pitches for Women Entrepreneurs and Speakers Only. And you know, people was just like, wow, that's a title. So three years before I even wrote the book, that was the title in my mind. And when I finally sat down to actually write the book, I didn't want to write it from the perspective of, let me just give you some formulas. I wanted to talk about the psychology behind pitching. And in my time of being a pitch master, there were seven branding or seven types of personas that I would meet in pitching from someone who's ruled by power who is, or someone who's unstoppable, someone who's ruled by numbers, someone who brings creativity, someone who brings mystery, someone who is so flawed and yet so fabulous. Like think of all of those all together. One or two of those is going to dominate how you approach pitching or how you, how you approach presentations. And so each chapter is devoted to unstoppable, power, mystery, uh, creativity, funny, um, numbers, all of flawed, all of those. And so as you're reading through, I give you notable women that fit those, right? And then with my second book called Bad Bitches and Power Pitches, the workbook, that's when I start putting formulas in there for you. And you write, whether you're writing to the, whether, whether you're pitching to the media, whether you're pitching to investors, whether you're pitching at networking events, whether you're pitching to be, go from a free speaker to a book busy and paid, what you're going to say at interviews, what do you just say in general conversation? Because you know, people are listening. That's what's in the workbook. So I want you to read and see what you can do. And also I have a free quiz that that, that works walk, walks you through that too. So you know who you are. So those are my first two books. And I love the way that I did it because people are like, oh, I never looked at pitching like that. And I was like, yeah, because I didn't, I stood in your shoes and did it. I didn't, I, I didn't write a book from the perspective of just hearing pitches. I stood in your shoes. I was on Shark Tank and blew them away. Think about that. So I am not just a, someone who I can just tell you how to do it. I did it. And so now I'm giving you both perspectives. And then there's my third book. <laughs> Bad Bitches and Power Bitches. And yes, men have bought it. Um, every company I've ever spoken at in the last two years has bought the books. And they didn't give me pushback. The government hasn't even given me pushback. They were like, well, that's an interesting title. And then they would, you know, read the first few pages on Amazon. And they're like, whoa, now that's something I wasn't expecting because it's not, it's not full of curse words. It's really a business book. It's been finalists for four different competitions, economic sales and business book of the year. So think about that. And Forbes magazine reviewed Bad Bitches and Power Pitches and positively reviewed it in their magazine. And it's, it's on the site too, under Pitching is Bitching. Oh, so that's, uh, yeah. Well, you, okay. So that website, but you also are all, they all available on perfectpitchesbyprecious.com? Yes, my website is www.perfectpitchesbyprecious.com. All three are available on my site. 
Okay, very good. And then it links through because they're also all available on Amazon and anywhere they're else. They're all available on Amazon too, yes. If yeah. you want hand-signed copies, I suggest you go to my website because Amazon ain't going to get no. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to get hand-signed by me, please come to my website. And I, you know, I, I still love sending them off. I still do. Oh, sure. I'll be in right. a post office two, three, four hours, but you know how we do. <laughs> yeah. So what's different about the, the new one? Because it's about for currency. So it's more sales pitches versus yes. uh, investor pitches or so, what, what's the difference? Think, so the first two books are, you know, just all about pitching in general. Pitching for profit isn't just isn't about the revenue. It's about the profit part. So all of us have a network and we always hear this thing. Your network is your net worth. Sure. We hear it. I don't think most people understand that. So for me, when I was coming up as an entrepreneur, I was usually around people who were at my level, right? And that's cute because I started becoming the bright light. That's not where you need to be. You need to be at places where you are being pushed and challenged to go higher and higher. So when you change your network to it's full of people who are at a higher place than you are, they're going to see what you're doing and see how to keep pushing you so you get into bigger and bigger networks. So this book is about how do you monetize your network? How do you grow your network so that you're top of mind in, in, your, in your network's mind when opportunities are coming? For example, Last year, I started getting nominated for bigger and bigger business awards and winning them. I started, uh, I started being asked to speak at events that you can't find on the internet because you can't, you got to be invited, right? Think, think of, I didn't even know those existed. Wow. But now that I do, it's because my network changed and it's not full of people at my level. It was people who are higher and say, she's doing something different, pluck her and bring her up. Because now we're going to show her to a different level of people. It's not just the people that read this magazine and that magazine. It's people you didn't even know existed. That see what you're doing and see the value that you can bring to their place so that you're not just down here anymore. You're not begging for opportunities. They're being given to you now. And so pitching for profit, monetizing your network, having VIPs and, and, and top professionals looking at your content and bringing you in. For example, with LinkedIn, I have a LinkedIn live show now, right? I didn't apply for that. They came to me because they, on the strength of why is my um, engagements in the top 1% all the time? I don't pay for ads. I don't like, so what is it about my content? I'm not telling people to buy my stuff all day. That's not it. It's something I'm teaching on pitching that they haven't seen before, right? And so why am I getting media attention and not paying for it? What is special about what it is that I do? And so I take, I teach that to my clients. And now they're getting all of these great opportunities. And now with the third book, we're going to take regular conversations and convert them not into just money, but into true currency, which is relationships. If you have the right relationships, queen, the money's going to come regardless because you're in the right spaces now. Woo. All right. Well, I got mine uh, in the mail yeah. on its I way. I am ready. But I don't know. <laughs> okay. So you know, when somebody, you know, the term fake it till you make it, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> say somebody's dealing with um, this fear of their audience, maybe because they don't share the same size or they're the same um, racial profile, or a lot of times in the in, in investment world, you know, I would find myself as the only woman in the room. Mm -hmm. So is there a, a sort of like a, uh, an exercise or a way that you help 
your clients, because I know you deal with uh, executives and things like that, to break through, break away from the mental binds that they have, because there is no reason for them to actually have those, those limiting thoughts. So how do you help people get rid of those limiting thoughts so they can be the best they can be when they pitch? I love that you brought that up. One of the things that I, I teach my clients, or even when I'm leading one offset companies, corporations, nonprofits and stuff, is number one, your perceived flaws. Notice I said perceived flaws are really your secret weapon. What do I mean by that? Mm. I'm 42 years old. I'm still black on both sides. My hair is natural. It's not straight. Uh, last time I checked, I haven't had six pack abs since. Girl, let's not even go there, okay? <laughs> so, Every day of my life, this society has told me that I don't measure up. I don't have an Ivy League degree. I like all the thing, all the isms, the ageism, the racism, the classism, the sexism, LGBTQ, all these perceived things, because they're not real flaws. They're not. But you've been made to feel that way. So I want you to look at them from the perspective of you're now Wonder Woman. You're now He-Man. Because we spent all our lives studying people who generally don't look like us. Yeah. We know how they move. Do they know how you move? Oh, yeah. There you That's go. why it's your secret weapon. Whenever I stood on stage, ooh, she gonna talk about cupcakes, bakery, big goods. No, I'm gonna <laughs> stop. I'm a Hollywood actor 327. Mm, mm, riddle me that. You know, <laughs> red hot, sexy, and stylish. And stuff like that. They weren't ready. But because I'm so used to always being counted out. Now, this is where fun begins. And so it's my secret weapon. It's your secret weapon. It's everyone's secret weapon because they never see you coming. And since they don't see you coming, they don't know how you move. You've studied them for so long, they don't know how to study you until it's too late. And that's why, even when I went on Shark Tank and Robert Hershevik said, watching you is like watching a master at their craft. I, I want to be like, can we cut, 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 cut? He's at the yes. table like, <laughs> I was wearing a low cut canary yellow peplum dress and Afro and extreme makeup. Please believe I was tailor-made for television. And so I want you all to know that in each and every one of our lives, we've been told we weren't good enough. It's time to start believing the God in you who created you, whoever you believe in, the universe, whatever, you were created with a specific purpose. He don't need no co-signers. That vision doesn't need a co-sign. If no one in the world, you, let's even take it to the people everybody always looks up to, the Elon Musk, the Mark Zuckerberg, the Sheryl Sandberg, the Sarah Bakley, the Bill Gates, the Steve Jobs. They were all told, no, at some point, I promise you. They were all yes. told they whacked, they're too ahead of their time. Why do we know their names today? Because they refuse to believe in that. You can choose to believe average, random, and ordinary people who've never done it and are scared to do it, or you can be the one that does it and looks back and says, yeah. The one, you, it's only impossible until it's done. And last time I checked, I'm possible. So it's about to get done. Yeah. And wow. I know it's a process. Think about it. It's a process. I'm not saying it happens overnight, but every time I stood on that stage, I knew what internally people, that, that what people were saying, whether they were in the audience, whether they were the investors, whether they were the media, this is never going to work. And yet I did it. In fact, um, something that you didn't know, tonight on Shark Tank, my latest client, season 12, she's showing tonight. Do you know what that does for me? Wow. Always being told 
I wasn't good enough, couldn't speak well enough, need to lose the accent, need to lose weight, need to do this. Maybe I've been on television shows around the world. I film movies, documentaries. I'm not, I'm from the inner city of St. Louis, Missouri. I'm not supposed to be here, but I am supposed to be here because the vision was putting me at five years old. So I'm not talking about your socioeconomic, your racial background. How oh, I'm 42. I'm supposed to be old and put out the pasture. <laughs> Can we talk about the 40 year plus glow up, the 50 year plus glow up, the 60 year plus glow up? Trust and believe. So let's take everything that's supposed to be wrong with us and push it forward. We're living in a world now, if you start noticing in media that real people are starting to show more as influencers, why is that? Because it's changing. So believe in that and keep moving. Yeah. Well, okay, we'll end on that note. No. My job. As a professional woman like you, you know, like you're hearing me now. Like, I don't know if this is what you were expecting, but this is how I bring it. Yeah. I love being here with you. Well, when you, I think also, thank you. And I think also when you know your stuff and you're enthusiastic about it and you're passionate about it and then you own it, you just, you own the vision and what you're going to do. You're, you could be, you be prepared, right? And then whatever's on the outside doesn't really matter because that power and that passion is what they see right mm-hmm. you know and if you happen to package it in something that they're not expecting then it's sort of like the cherry on top because wow that's you know and so i think you're I, what you said is exactly right own all of what you are so that you can have that power wow impact and and make a statement and that's you know part of the thing when you get back to kind of to the elevator pitch is that you have to be memorable, particularly when they're standing up there with, you know, 20 some odd, you know, and it's like, and, and they're fast, right? So if you're mm-hmm. not memorable, then it's, it, th- people won't come up to you afterwards. They won't, whatever. They're just be they forgot. And part of the whole, like when it comes to investors and raising money for investors, you got to create a buzz. And the way you create a buzz is to be memorable in a good way. And to have them have people when they leave out of that, they say, did you hear that? So even if they don't get a chance to talk to you at the end, because, you know, depending on the format of it or how big it is, they can't find you, whatever, they'll remember you and and have a desire to follow up. Or when they're out and about talking to other people, other investors or other business people, they'll say, you know, I saw this person this entrepreneur and this is what they were doing and they can articulate what you're doing themselves so you were clear and uh, impactful and memorable then you know you you have amplified your message in a strong way and so you know owning that I think uh, flipping that the that perception of weakness to strength is uh, such a, a powerful uh, recommendation and and really quite frankly probably they'll gotta gotta have it kind of a thing right so Most um, so now you know one of the things is that you know people the the process of changing uh your communication style or 
whatever that might be when compared to your audience. So obviously when startups are doing startup stuff and it's always vision, 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 you know, and then you move into actually running the company and at some point maybe, you know, have, getting ready to go public or, you know, raising the big money from hedge, you know, private equity funds or investment bankers or even, you know, just all of that. So how, how does an entrepreneur retain their passion and their fire, but, you know, but when they are now having to talk actual results or, you know, have a different uh, intention of, of that, do, is, there, what, is there any golden nugget that you can offer up to folks on, on how to make that transition in their delivery and content? Well, definitely, and you, and you definitely just, drop those buzzwords to go from vision to actual real results <laughs> to actually go from, yeah, we had this great idea. We just need a couple of dollars to get there to this is what we've done. And this is where we can go with, with an investment from you here. We're taking care of all of this, 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 any other, we just need the financial resource to be able to do that. Right. And so that's one of the things that I started noticing, even in, even, even in the world, you'll start to notice this. The people with the ooh, the pie in the spot, the pie, the pie in the sky idea. Ooh, sounds so wonderful until no one can execute on it. Right. Then you have the people who come in. That's why I always tell people I'm a 13-time national elevator pitch champion, two-time number one best-selling author. Like I throw out numbers as fast and facts, figures, and statistics because people are listening for that now. If I was, I was a killer pitch master and I've won 13 competitions, last one being 2013, I ain't done much with my life. But since I can show you now, I have a client right now, on tonight, her Shark Tank episode airs. That tells you something. That even from way back when, I'm still doing it. That clients are signing two-year corporate training contracts. That they're getting, you know, media noise and buzz. That they're getting, you know, paid speaking gigs for some of the biggest companies or nonprofits or foundations in the world. That's totally different because when you have real results, people respect that so much more. The reason why I'm more passionate about what I do now versus when I, you know, we're just trying to get it together is because the vision truly became a reality and it's yes. scalable, sustainable, and cannot add profitable. We did it. We did what they said they, we, we could not do. And we did it with very few resources. Imagine what could happen when you add what them dollars at. Yeah. Look what we did without all of that. What can we do with more financial resources? What can we do with the right mentoring? What can we do with the right advisory advisory board? Do I need to take a step back so someone more learning can come in? What do we need to do? But we've already proved that it's done. And so now there's no question about that. Maybe changing a leadership could understand that. But we've done the hard work now. Help us go higher, that return on investment. It's a done deal now. We've proven it. We've proven it. And that's why I have so much more, more of a passion for people who started from nothing. Even if they got like five customers, how many businesses you know right now, people talking about starting, they've been talking for 10 years, ain't got one customer, <laughs> trying to give to it. It sounds really good. I was even looking at um something before we even started. Remember, I, and I shouldn't probably bring it up, but Theranos, like great idea that never executed. There's so many people who execute all day and they're afraid to pitch because they think they have to have millions of dollars. Yeah. You have five, 10, 12, 20 clients in a time where it's a pandemic and economic downturn and social unrest. You better get your butt out there and get the pitching. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think now that is a good point to end on. I, I, well, I don't even sure if there's anything else you could add to top that. So uh, I want to tell everybody, please, please share this podcast or video, whatever, however you're receiving this information, go share it out there because if, I think you probably enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed it. And uh, you need to, you know, share it with somebody else so you can spread the joy. And please go to perfectkitchesbyprecious.com to learn more about what Precious got going on and uh, get her books, uh, get her. She's got a little coaching program that she offers up with uh, the, when you yes, buy the latest coaching. One. Yes, I do corporate training. Yes. Yes. And I also have online and digital products that they can learn at their own. Yeah. So, and then also please be so kind as to stop by karenrands.co if you've not been over there and see what all the stuff we do for entrepreneurs and investors. And with that, Precious, thank you so very much for being on the show today, Onwards and Upwards. Thank you so much, my queen, for having me. It's been an honor. Thank you for listening to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast Radio, where we encourage individual investment in entrepreneurs to create generational wealth and best practices for small businesses to succeed. Help us spread the word about compassionate capitalism by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. The Compassionate Capitalist Podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. In production for over 10 years, there are over 180 episodes available for your listening and educational pleasure. With over 130,000 downloads, this podcast is rapidly becoming the top podcast for investors and entrepreneurs to get the information they need to create generational wealth through entrepreneurism. This podcast is brought to you by the Business Power Tools which offers an online collaborative environment for leadership teams to prepare business plans, marketing strategies, financial modeling needed to attract capital and scale a business. Also, Lindio as a entrepreneur's resource portal providing access to dozens of lenders offering short-term and long-term debt to help business owners manage their financial cash flow and growth capital needs. BizX, creating affordable advertising resources, and other tools for entrepreneurs to succeed and create awareness and trust with their customer base. And Launch Funding Network, part of Cougarand Capital Holdings, is a network of hundreds of angel investors, investor clubs and networks, venture capital firms, private equity funds, family offices, investment bankers, and lenders. Please visit karenrands.co to learn more about the Launch Funding Network, and our sponsors, and to sign up to get our Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Break and learn more about how we can help you succeed.